Full release with Dr. Ashley. What the hell is that? I don't know what that is. Come on, it's a podcast in Portland, Oregon. Is it really? It's called the Full Release. Yeah, it's sex and ooh, oh. sex, sex cast. No, sex this cast. is the most sexless podcast. Welcome to the sex cast. Oh, I must have the wrong address. Then. No, no, this is a stale. Yeah. This is the animation version of <laughs> this Love Line. Unsexy, <laughs> unsexy bros. Okay, that uh, that's Paul so Diener. Today's uh, special day. Oh, uh, yeah. The um, uh, animation um, Oscar nominees. Were, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they I've, came out. They yeah. came out today. They came yeah. out today. That's right. I think yeah. I was up at like three o'clock in the morning, and I think they were announced. Yeah. It was five AM this morning. And every year I think, oh, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be really a race. Like we'll know. Well it's gonna be a clear winner. And then this is yet another year where I'm like, eh, there's a couple up there that could win. Yeah. Yeah. There's some yeah. underdogs that could I've, be overdogs. Did, I, I I've was, only seen two of them. Which ones did you see? Bow and um weekends. Oh, you're talking about the shorts. Yeah. I was talking about Trevor features. Jimenez, right? Oh, Weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, Chris Sasaki, uh, who worked at Leica, yes. Yes. Uh, did all the production design on that weekend. Oh, he did do it on weekends. So, yeah, because Trevor's a Pixar guy. He's like a Pixar animator designer. He, yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's hold on for a second. First, we need to introduce the show. Oh, Paul's, oh, we're, just, Paul's we're just breaking all just, the rules. Paul's just, just fucking started, diving in. I just started. All right, Sorry, guys. Well, uh, that beautiful voice you're hearing is Paul Diener, legendary animation producer. He is holder. Quiet down, fire. He's a holder of MTV Music Video Award, a fucking Grammy, and an Emmy. Uh, he has been animating uh, since the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than that. And now he's in uh, he's in the living room talking to us two knuckleheads. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Paul Diener, how the hell are you? I'm great. I'm great. Great Did- to see you guys. We haven't seen each other in a really long time. Really it's been a while. Ago. I saw you not that long ago. But Trevor, well, Trevor, I haven't seen in a while. But yeah. we, you keep going up and down the coast and doing I all keep kinds humping of executive, all the way around. Executive producing this and that and. Yeah, you, you are fantastic. Yeah, the only thing I'm failing at executive producing is my own life. Um, but it is you have it, to it, sacrifice it, something to be yeah. an executive yeah, I know, producer. Right? Yeah, yeah, fuck it, totally. You uh, all had to retire to get a dog. Oh, so. yeah, that's true, and a house, <laughs> and a house, right? Dog so I house. just learned today that maybe it was. Yeah, I just learned this morning that Paul Diener lives down the street from me. That's crazy. So we can and have not our own from me either. Not far from either. Yeah, and I live down the street from you. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna meet at Killer Burger uh, for lunch one of these days, pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. Do they really have bottomless fries? I don't know. I don't. We're about to find out. I don't I think you ever need to get there. I know that's what I'm saying. I see everything it. there is so big and so greasy yeah. that you don't need. You need less than you need a bot. You need bottom to your fries. You yeah, because have- I feel shame just finishing mm-hmm. that first order like when you yeah. work your way through the burger and then they have all the sauce oh have you the gotten the mustard? have you gotten the uh they've got a um the peanut butter pickle burger i haven't gone that far it's real it's real good i keep getting the one with the green chilies oh uh, no the the peanut butter pickle burgers the the jam mm. but it's like that's i mean basically but you're like you're vegan a, now though aren't you yeah, mo- 
most of the time. Not not in principle. Wait, what the fuck? Are you serious? No, I just don't eat much meat anymore. Wait a minute. Get out of you my just house. Posted something on Facebook that had yeah. I'm like, pro. Listen, pro vegan. I'm pro vegan. Doesn't mean I'm actually practicing vegan. I see that. I see that as a great solution. Wait, but aren't you vegan? No, I'm vegetarian. He's vegetarian. You're vegetarian. He'll yeah. eat the fuck out of some cheese. And some milk. Please. He drinks I'm a milk out of that. By that so he pours keep, the keep that. gallon of milk down his throat whenever he's thirsty. Keep that on the down. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, welcome. I, I think it is odd that we haven't seen each other for a long time because there was a period in all three of our lives where we all of us saw each other every single day. Yeah. Sure. Right? Like and every day great. for you years. You sat right next to me. I sat right next to you. We shared a couple of walls, I think, at Leica. Yep. And then I worked near and or around and sometimes next to you at bent image lab yes and you have been producing uh animated series for the last two years is that accurate to say after mm. bent you went to red giant and big, big, big giant. giant oh big to, giant. to big giant <clears throat> and you were producing there was some 2d yeah some 2d uh web series stuff that got produced there and yeah. that was the last the the last um narrative work that you produced yeah were those series yeah but when you flip like, back like 10 episodes or something like that yeah it was 10 episodes yeah something like that See, that's insane there's so much shit happening in mm -hmm. portland but you that's not what you won your grammy for no what was that so singing it was yeah. What song did you sing that you, you won the hear Grammy? Paul's beautiful uh, singing voice. Oh, that. <laughs> no, it was uh, Grammys have a uh, best video category. Believe it or not, do Ooh. they still? I don't know if they still. do. I mean, <clears throat> they'll. Oh, because we're all you're pausing because of all the animated music videos you've made that will never win anything. That you haven't. Oh. <laughs> that are that will that will die awardless. Yeah, if anyone's listening, uh, check out Rob's music videos. They should at the very least be nominated for a Grammy. Well, or like, does Grammy have like a like a under ten thousand dollars category? Because that's what I'm signing up for. I think for. if you pay them enough money to be to create the category, uh, okay. to create the category, then they'll they'll certainly. And we get back to the heart of the problem. Yeah. That the, if you look at my wallet, I got ones. <clears throat> well, I don't oh, know wait, what the, have, I, I don't know what the uh, admission fee is for yeah. the Grammys these days. Yeah. But uh, you know, two hundred bucks and you're in or something. Oh. Who knows? But you, Paul, are you from? You're not from the West Coast. No, I grew up on in New York, New York City. Queens, you were in uh, Queens. My best friend was Donald Trump in Queens. What? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, what's no, he up to lately? I'm, I have no idea. No, that's that's a lie. Um, <clears throat> but he was your Queens is true. What? Queens is true. Yes, Queens is true. But you took your undergrad on the West Coast at USC, is that and right? My graduate was at USC Film School. Well, your graduate degree was at USC Film School. Right. And so since then, which was... Probably a really long time ago. A long time you ago. You stayed on the West Coast. I did. And, and I all your business to, and your animation has been on the West Coast. <clears throat> right. And I moved up to Portland way back before you guys were born in 1982. Mm. I wish that were fucking true. <laughs> I wish that were true so much. Well, let's go back. And let's yeah, wait, let's wait, go back way back machine even more. So, yeah. Lil, so Lil Polly. Yeah. Lil Polly's grown up in, in Queens. Right. Yeah. And uh, what gets you started in, in wanting to do film stuff? Well, uh, I had two uncles that were involved in film. Uh, one guy, his name was um, Amos Vogel. He was the originator of uh, Cinema 16 and brought 
the world, the avant-garde uh, film world, to New York City at his theater, which was called Cinema 16. Nice. So the was that whole, in Manhattan or in yeah, Queens? Yeah, in Manhattan. Um, they brought in avant-garde filmmakers like Maya Deren, mm-hmm. Stan Brakhage, and all mm-hmm. these other people uh, that um, New York City had never had a showing of those kind of films. And this mm-hmm. is this is your uncle? This is my uncle, Amos Vogel. And he had an apartment down in Greenwich Village. They lived in Greenwich Village. And every once in a while, he would show us films on his wall from his 16-millimeter projector. And... Um, the film that impressed me the most that he showed was Why Man Creates, um, which is um, uh, an animated film mm-hmm. um, by, uh, uh, who is it, Saul Bass? Or, um, and, uh, uh, Wait, one of the Rankin dudes? No, no, no. no. Saul Bass. Saul Bass is like a, a, a title animator designer hey dustin can you cut out the part of me being ignorant when you no 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 turn that shit up (laughs) turn it up Uh, i'm not sure that was his name but anyway i was really impressed by animation Uh at that time my other uncle owned a uh, his name was david diener uh he uh owned a uh ad agency called uh diener hauser greenthal which was uh, back in the day in the seventies and such was a motion picture advertising agency. Oh, word! Okay. So uh, they did campaigns for The Godfather and this is before things. studios had their own in-house marketing. Correct. Thing. So Correct. they would come up with the psychology of how to position right. it and stuff. Right. Yeah. And so uh, some summers I worked there, and I was really kind of overwhelmed by the whole motion picture. What industry. were you doing? Were you getting sandwiches and stuff? Yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, the drinks. A, a He's getting the drinks. Um, yeah. Go get yeah. another. Get three more well, bottles this of scotch. Was all before <laughs> there were computers, so you had layout artists who would physically. You'd have a stat camera and you'd mm-hmm. shoot pictures of what it is that you'd have to lay out. And I would walk from one area to another area carrying stuff. So it was kind of like a PA delivery thing. But if you got like a fingerprint or something or a tear yeah, or a smudge, it. yeah, it's that's all bad over. News. Yeah, Air hole, yeah. Bad news. Stab you up. So you were watching. So, so, so I was oh, watching ahead. these kind of experimental films on my uncle's wall. The other uncle uh, had this whole foot in the motion picture business. And I was all very impressed by filmmaking and stuff. But the, the internship that you had had when you were low on the totem pole at the advertising agency, um, at what point in your life is it? This is like high school? Yeah. It's like, it like a summer school. or something? Yeah, summer but thing. this is pre, exactly. pre collegiate adventures. I can already yeah. see that Trevor's idea of you, Diener, is like some like 1920s. Yeah, like newsies, <clears throat> yeah. kid, like like so, yeah. sweeping up on the corner, sweeping up yeah. the side. Ah, you guys want to play stickball? Yeah. <laughs> I am, dude. I think that's exactly what's happening. We did that a lot too. Stickball. Played stickball. I was really good at stickball. Yeah, so, I don't yeah. hear any accent. That's the funny thing about well, Paul Diener. I, moved, I hear it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I, I hear it to, when Paul gets when pissed. I, yeah, when I moved to Oregon, <laughs> um, I had to lose my accent because I had a really heavy Queens accent. Uh huh. And uh, people made fun of me, and I, I wouldn't have made I, fun of you, Paul. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, I would have been your best buddy. Over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I kind of tried to work hard at losing my accent, but I've been here thirty something years. So, yeah, uh, it's been a while. But does Anyways, it sound like? Do other people sound like they have an accent? When you came out here, were you like, Jesus? Why is everybody talking like this? Well, I found it really weird that people were playing softball on grass. Oh, instead of on syringes and <laughs> dead bodies, <laughs> dead bodies, but instead of on yeah. cement. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I guess that's pretty suburban. So I heard a thing recently. This is, this is, uh, this is way 
kind of off topic, but just real quick that mm-hmm. the reason that, uh, that like California has become like the default no accent beacon for the states where people think of that as like, Oh, that's where people don't have an accent. Everywhere else has an accent. And that's the, it gets this, it gets thought of as this, like the clean slate version is just because of Hollywood and because of the news and because everyone was getting all of their voices, radio, uh, film, television from here, from, from from the West coast coast, and, and primarily from California that, uh, that it became like the standard. That's how it became the standard. So that by, you know, they really, the California people really do have an accent. It's just that, uh, we accept it as the norm and we consider everything because everywhere, wherever you are, you have an accent. There is no yeah. version of English with no accent, but, but I want that version of English where it's like that old, like you said, like the old timey news reporter. Well, they ah, talk about yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck do people, did that really happen? You just watch that Miss Maisel and it's just non nonstop right? that accent. Yeah. Or like boardwalk empire. Speed talk. Like yeah. Speed. And I'm like, wow, I want to live in that world. So you were, you were doing all of this. Uh, so you were in high school. This is pre-college. Yeah. You did your, your, your graduate work at USC on the West Coast. What, what was your undergrad? Where were I you? was at Queens College City University of New York. Oh, so you stayed in the local stayed boy. in New York, yeah. And My then parents did- were low on the totem pole, so we didn't have much money. Yeah. And uh, going to a you know, local city college was... That was great. And you stayed living at home for those yeah. four years? Yeah, I did. Stickball outside. Stickball. Stickball. Uh, so- softball on the cement. We're, on the cement. We're, kick the can. Were you kick still like <laughs> drinking wine and doing coke with your uncle and watching? <laughs> I don't know what people were doing in the 70s. Um, but were you? did you still maintain that relationship with your respective uncles? Yeah, we were. Right. While you were still in college? Or uh, you were at the well, city it, school? Yeah, I mean, all, it was. we were a pretty tight family. Um we celebrated holidays, all all the holidays together. Um, oh, I meant sociopathically. Like, were you still working for them? Like oh, when you were in college? No, 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 no. no. Um, and I was a communications major in college and then wanted to go into film and uh, got accepted to both NYU film school and USC film school. Fancy. And decided to leave New York. Um, drove cross country to actually to Portland to visit my brother here and then went from there. Down to SC. Oh, no kidding. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So, um. So did you even know six... what Portland was? I mean, aside from like, oh, my brother lives in this weird town filled with trees. Yeah, but, you know, this was visiting Portland in the 70s. So yeah. it was, um, pretty small, low key. What year, if you, if you were pressed? If I was pressed to say what year I came mm-hmm. out here? Yeah. Uh, it would have been 75. So is that just when Vinton had won the Academy Award for Closed on Monday? Close. Not in 75, though, but close. It was around that time, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the year is, but uh, spent six or seven years in L.A. Uh, working in um, in Hollywood, actually, editorial, some s- small films, TV, made for TV. Movies. And when you say editorial, you, you were Actual physically pushing. Film. Yeah, but you, you were physically on the... Like cut, you were the editor, you were physically cutting. Yeah, cutting on moviolas, cams, mm-hmm. flatbeds, all that stuff. Um, and then uh, kind of looked around me and um, saw a world in Hollywood that was like, this is really rough. Um, there's a lot of people that are strung out on speed, and mm-hmm. uh, I was still single at the time, and I thought. I don't want to live in LA anymore. And, um, did you see yourself 
just concentrating on post-production as yeah. well? Had you stayed yeah. there? You've been like, oh, fuck, I'm going to yeah. get stuck here at the back exactly, end. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, something said, I can't do this anymore and I need to leave. And so I visited Portland a couple mm-hmm. of times. And so I moved up here in 84. With the knowledge that there was this tiny claymation studio? No. Really? With the knowledge that there was a huge recession going on up mm-hmm. here. And uh, I have this very distinct image of driving north with nobody on I-5 going north. And on the other side, everybody going south to the oil belt mm. um, to get work. So there yeah. were all these RVs and cars going south at the time. It was a miserable recession going on up here. And I only had... um Odd jobs for two years. Here in Portland. From 82 to 84. And that's when I ran into Kelly Baker, uh, a former USC uh, alumni who I know, and um, Karen Carbo, who uh, he was married to at the time. And um, he was working for Will Vinton. And In what capacity? He was their editor, one of their editors. Oh. And um, we ran into each other outside of Cassidy's bar, and uh, it was like, we did double takes, like, what are you doing here? I didn't know you were here. Because he was a contemporary of yours at USC. Yeah. You guys would smoke grass yeah, together. Actually, I was his TA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you were his TA. He was I a was professor. So you sold him grass. So you sold him, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. And, wow, um, so small world. So wait, where's, where's world. Cassidy's in Portland? Is it still around? Uh, yeah, it's on Washington... Um, Near the around the corner from the Crystal Ballroom. Where's the Crystal Ballroom? I'm always that? looking for new places to get drunk. I'm gonna have to go to Cassidy's. So you so you run into your wait. Actually, let me ask a question. Um, what were two years of odd jobs? What is that? Delivering newspapers, uh, working for a local rag called Clint Street Quarterly, uh, projecting Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Clint Street Theater. Hey, traditions never end. Right. Yeah. Um, They're still doing it now. I'm not doing it now. No, no, no. Somebody Somebody's is doing it now. Cleaning up that all the rice at 4 a.m. after, after the yeah, show. Yeah. Stuff, Wait. So yeah. your so your odd jobs included the world of literature, right, and the yeah, world of film. Yeah, and it's interesting because that uh, working with the Clinton Street Quarterly, I got introduced to the people that made the Clinton Street Quarterly. One of which was Jim Blashfield. Oh, that's, that's right. Crazy. Okay, this was starting to sound familiar. So right. this is okay. my connection. So um, to moving on in my life. So um, I'm hired on at Wilvin Studios in 1984 as part of the editing team mm-hmm. of The Adventures of Mark Twain. Oh. Um, because um, nobody really knew how to put together a feature film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had this experience, but that was there. That was that was Vinton's first, first feature. feature. Everything right. else was short form or TV special, right? Yeah. So um, I knew how to put something together because I had worked in Hollywood and knew all about that stuff. And so uh, Will hired me on, and uh, as a sound, I think it was an assistant sound editor, which couldn't keep a good person down. I was moving kind of up there, sound editing, music editing, um, doing all this stuff, and took the film down to San Francisco for uh, mix and post-production. Mm-hmm. And, Did um, you drive it down at that time? Yes. I actually physically drove it. Can I get you some more water, Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to hand the reins over to Rob. I'll yeah, be right I'm back. I'm still here. You're still there. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so uh, that was in 1984. 
and um, came down to San Francisco that summer or so to mix the film mm. and came back and the Vinton studio had moved out of their house on 19th Avenue um, behind the barbershop and next to, um, what's the name of that drive-in? Um, no idea. There's a drive-in there? There was a drive-in there. Now mm. it's just a giant parking lot. Oh, yeah. I cut my hand on that parking lot. Um, yeah. And um, uh, they had moved over to the Upshur building. Okay. Which, which is, is different. Where, which is where I think Kerner cameras are. Is oh, okay. Are. Okay. Um, it's that big red building. Uh-huh. And uh, I came back to that. Didn't, didn't Shell and Jim Blackfield also house in that building at one point? Uh, not in that building. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Shell's uh, was underneath the 405. Yeah, right? that was the Western Warehouse building. Yeah. Um, and then, since I had known Jim for a while, Jim Blashfield, uh, he came over in the evenings. Well, first of all, back up. Jim Blashfield was a well-known name in the music video world. And uh, Tears for Fears, Peter Gabriel. Right. Right. Um, and his uh, short films, his short animated films had gotten noticed by David Byrne and the Talking Heads. And so, oh, right. so Jim didn't have the equipment to work on, um, you know, editing his animation together. And uh, he brought it over to me at the Vinton studio. And in the evenings, we would cut together uh, And She Was by the Talking Heads. So that was... Uh, so he's animating it a day, uh, during the day, right. and then bringing the, the one lights over to you, and you right. guys are we cutting it Cutting them together at night. Wait, so, what did you call them? One light? One light? Yeah. Like the work print? Work print. Film. Pieces of film. The one light? They're called one lights. <laughs> it's because it's... They're not you, timed. Yeah. You just basically, like, they, they, they turn on one timing, one yeah. light, and they run the whole thing to expose it, and then... That's what you cut, and then when you when it's time to cut the negative, sure, then you go back. Then and they you do they the use those numbers, timing. they cut it, and then you color time an actual print from it. I I just never heard the term one light. Yeah, um, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I'm gonna pretend like I've been using <laughs> that my entire life. So you were doing, but you, but prior to that, in terms of working in animation, you were doing editing and sound design and post production for Will. But prior to that, you had not worked professionally with Blashfield in that no. capacity. No. So, um, what happened Cause is... Because he's had his own studio for, for years whatever. running up to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, so, we're talking about now, let's see, I don't know, 86, 85, 86. Mm -hmm. um, Vinton's has gotten really popular with California Raisins. Um, and then... I'm going out on Halloween with a trash bag around me. That's right. Yeah. A yeah. California Raisin. <laughs> Looking beautiful. Yep. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Rob was 25 at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Melissa Marsland, who was Will's uh, partner and producer, uh, decided to call it quits. And Jim was looking for a new producer. And I was kind of getting tired of editing mm -hmm. at uh, the Vinton studio. And uh, he gave me the opportunity to be his producer. And that means Lord over all the projects right. happening at Vinton. Right. Like everything. At, at Blashfield. No, Blashfield. This is Jim Blashfield. Oh, Blashfield. Oh, right. oh, okay. Gotcha. So uh, I said, sure, I'd love to do it. And so we went on to do uh, more music videos uh, for Tears for Fears, Sowing the Seeds of Love, Michael did, Jackson. Did you guys expand your infrastructure? At that point, or were you still preying upon Vinton's post-production facility? Um, yeah, he we, he had eventually had gotten the flatbed, and um, um, 
Yeah, yeah sorry, I I, st- I stepped on you when you were listing those videos. What what, what so, videos were you guys so working Jim, on? Jim, when I came on board, he was just finishing up a, a video for Peter Gabriel, um, which I don't think ever aired, but um, he finished that one. Um, and then we had Tears for Fears, Sowing the Seeds of Love, and we mm-hmm. had uh, and the big uh, one was uh, Michael Jackson's Leave Me Alone, which were mm-hmm. all animated. That's the roller coaster one, right? Right, the roller coaster C- one. Can I, okay, because you were producing for Jim at the time, um, that means that you were aware of what these budgets were coming in. Yeah. So I know that right now budgets are like $8.04 yep. for fucking animated music videos. But what was it? It was still the heyday back then when music yeah. videos were like in the hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars. Yeah, so like Fuck, it would be, it was wasn't uncommon for like a budget to be two hundred thousand dollars. And this is this is thirty years ago this now. Is so this is, this is like 80, half a million dollars, eighty nine or so. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh my. God. So can so, we uh, go? Can we get? Can can we build a time machine and go back there? Yes. But did it feel different? You know, because now you've got to see, especially here in Portland, like when we do music videos. Yeah. Or even commercials, the it's yeah, it was it's a big accurate thing. to say that these budgets are fucking dwindling. Well, like it was a, a mother. It was a big thing. I mean, you know, uh, MTV was a big thing for uh, um, artists. Yeah, you know, and they were and, willing to put that money yeah, behind and they the were marketing looking, machine, and they yeah. were also looking for uh, you know whoever was great visually, mm-hmm. and Jim was great visually. Yeah, he was a great um, graphic designer, great uh, animator, and uh, it was a little harder. And it was much harder because, because you were shooting on shooting film. on film, and, yeah. and you so know something like "Leave Me Alone" was done with a Mitchell down mm-hmm. shooter um, on thirty five or sixteen. Thirty five, yeah. and um, you know you'd have like layers and layers of cutout photography. Who animated and stuff. it? Didn't Shell White? Shell White it? was one of the animators. Laura De Trapani was one of the oh, animators. Oh no way! Um, uh, I don't remember who else. It was just like we had a crew of about thirty people. Yeah, and these were all on down shooters with panes of glass in terms of like getting your layering. Um, no, we had to order some special photographic paper that would lie flat and thin, mm-hmm. so you can do multiple layers of cutouts of stuff. Yeah. Oh wow! It was kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds I mean, crazy when you think about it. Like you know, a crew of uh, it's like Coraline with the people painting faces. Mm-hmm. It's like. Um, you know, you had a crew of 15 people that are with an exacto knife yep. cutting out these images of Michael Jackson, you know, one frame at a time. So you would film him on film and then you would print each one mm-hmm. of the frames of film and then rephotograph it again. Right? But he wasn't <clears throat> where that image capture happened with uh, with uh, Mike. Mikey, right with our buddy Michael Jackson down in L.A. Jim went down to L.A. I stayed up in Portland with the crew, kept them working. Jim and went then, to shoot Michael in uh, L.A. Uh, it was a, kind of a one-day, two-day live-action shoot. Mm-hmm. I wish we had a website so I could say, go to our website right now yeah. while you listen to this podcast and you can see this badass music video. But Although that was pretty easy to look up. Yeah, yeah this is up. the roller coaster. Yeah, you had Le- Bubbles on there, too. Bubbles was yeah. in there. Leave Me Alone was the name of he it. He was, like, pissed off at the press. Bubbles, Bubbles was? How do you know if no. Bubbles was pissed off? <laughs> well, well, I read the oh, Bubbles yeah, script, so now expressive. I feel like I know Bubbles' inner thought. Yeah, have yeah. you read? Did you read the script? I haven't read Bubbles. I think you're the one that gave me the script. I might have. I don't remember. Anyway. Um, good script, by the way. Yeah? Yeah. How like, did I give it to you if I hadn't read it? I, You know what? Good Actually, question. I already had <laughs> I already had the screenplay, but I remember... We, I got the screenplay from a manager in L.A., but then 
a couple weeks later, you actually, you were like, Hey, have you seen this? And you sent me the script. I did. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look. I have no anyway, for that. anyone who hasn't read bubbles, it was on the blacklist. So it's available. It's not a proprietary thing to read it. Um, but it was actually much more better water than I thought. This is more water in a mason jar? This is so 1990s. Right? Yeah. I can't be a hipster unless I serve liquid in a jar. <laughs> right? Okay. Could be pine um, liquor. Could be so you, water. So, okay. So you, so you left Vinton Studios. You go to, uh, to, to gyms. And now this is the first time that you are the lord of the entire court instead of just lording over post-production right. or sound design. Right. And how did that work? Because I only know you as a producer. I only know you as... Um, the taskmaster and the leader well, it was of, a lot of teams. I mean, you know, there was a lot to learn. Um, and I actually did everything at Jimmy because he's a small studio. So mm-hmm. I did everything from payroll to oh, talking wow. to Michael Jackson's lawyer about, you know, or lawyers about, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. And um, um, it was great. Did it click for you? Were yeah, you like, totally. Fuck, dude, this is way better than yeah. sticking my heads in a pair of headphones. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, it was fun, too. And it was great. Great place to work. A lot of fun people, All the working with all the artists, which yeah. is what I cherish the most. Um, you know, to this day, that's that's the thing that yeah. that that keeps it going for me. Who were, the, who were the artists that were there? You didn't have Ben Adams at Blast. No. He was at ben Rhino. Ben was at Rhino, but he was also at Vinton's for a while. But then you stole him from Vinton's and, oh, and brought God. him to Bent, right? Um, or vice versa. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I remember hearing. We'll the catch story. up to that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll catch up to that story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, how long are you producing for Blashfield? I was at that there time? three years. And then I want to go out on a limb and say, <clears throat> after that, you went back to Vinton to build their CG department, which well, at that time had nobody in the world even yes, fucking yes knew it. Brick yes and by no. brick. Yeah. Yes and right? yes and no. Okay. Um, in that. Uh, uh, Jim didn't want to expand into a big animation studio. He actually wanted to get smaller. So mm-hmm. we had about 30, 35 people that were working all, and it all kind of condensed. So things kind of played out at Jim's for, at that time. And then, um, um, Vinton's was into the third picture of a five picture TV deal with mm-hmm. CBS. So I came what back. What were the first two? The first two were uh, the Christmas claymation special. Okay. Um, the raisins. And the second centric one was Meet, Meet the, the raisins. raisins. Oh, that was Meet the Raisins. Yeah. And then the last three uh, I produced, which was Raisins Sold Out, uh, Claymation <clears throat> Easter Show, and the Claymation Halloween Show. I saw your name on. I have Damn. the. I have the. Easter special on VHS. So I, and I did saw your name on it. Three half-hour shows for Vintons coming back in around 1990. Did Mark so. Gustafson direct all of those? Uh, all three of the no, ones he directed you did? The Easter he directed the show. Easter one. Right. Uh, Barry Bruce, I believe, directed the oh, Halloween Bruce. one. Mm-hmm. Well, I will I will contemporize the name Mark Gustafson for folks who... He's doing Pinocchio now. He is... Um, yeah, he's the animation director on Pinocchio, working with Guillermo del Toro, that is ramping up right this moment. <laughs> and prior to that, he was the animation director on uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fox. Right. And um, Starburns uh, uh, really was very passionate about having him uh, either co-direct or be the animation director on Bubbles down in L.A. Um, but there are there's so much opportunity happening right now. I think Mark really had his like kind of pick of the litter yeah. in terms of 
of working with Guillermo and he's has a family up here. So I couldn't imagine uh, him celebrating the idea of having to work in Los Angeles for two and a half years when it's like, he's got homes here and a wife and all that. I, and I would also, and he's is, a nice guy. This is also just from the outside. I think uh, this is a good time to highlight that um, even though he's doing, this is kind of what we talked about actually in the episode zero, this idea of animation director, kind of like oh yeah, right. how, you know, director can mean so many different things the way that producer can mean so many different things right. that you can be, you can be a producer and be someone who who put a writer and an actor yeah. together and created something. Or you can be a producer that's on the ground with a clipboard that's yelling at people to get back to work. You, there's there's levels <laughs> to this thing. And I think um, it's important to call out uh, that in Mark's case, uh, from my understanding in both jobs, even though he is has the title of animation director, he's... Uh, it, both of these cases of, of Fantastic Mr. Fox and of the Pinocchio movie are people that have not done, that had not done, at least at the time, stop motion features. You mean the masthead? Yeah. The, the, the one the who's Wes Anderson, the director, the, Del Toro the director movie. of the movie, the person who's, who's getting, who's credited as the director of the movie. Um, so it's almost like he's a, he's more than an animation director yep. because he's, he's translating his job is like translating yeah, what this sure. person yeah. wants. He's like an interpreter he's, into yeah, he's this secret world. The shots. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's animation director can also can mean that sometimes it more frequently means, uh, I'm the director of the animators <clears throat> for this production yeah. in an animation studio. And I think that, that, that kind of like the rare thing that Mark has carved out for himself is that he's actually like the, he, he really is the, co-director even though that's not he doesn't get that credit on there Um, well you know the interesting thing about in those particular cases um you're 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 still having had having to have someone who's grandfathering the project in right your guillermo del toro or your wes anderson Mm -hmm. is like the name head that Mm -hmm. has to support the reason why anybody will put money into yeah they're the singularity Yeah, Yeah. yeah So, um, you know, you're talking about independent animation, which I remember that's what you guys talked about in your yeah, first yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, but, that's the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's We're still required. It still requires, uh, on a directing side to have a grandfather. We often talk about, uh, grandfathering something in on a producing side. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, totally to give it, um, like Bill know. Mechanic on Coraline. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Former fucking president of Fox. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's true somewhat on the directing side because, you know, for the most part, animation is a risk. If it's not Disney, then, you know, Dude, especially stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. stop, and stop motion is like, the, is like a, it's like a, it's like a secret. It's like a, it's like a thing that from the Hollywood perspective is, is, uh, overseen by weird tinkerers. And so right. you can't yeah. just, just kind of true though. You can't just go, you can't just go <laughs> and, but, but it's literally true. I mean, it's like yeah. Tim Burton. You know, like it, that's, that's what they, Hollywood thinks of as stop motion animation. Right. Right. You know, and a tinkerer and odd. Yeah. Odd this and that kind of, yeah. kind of Which thing. is not untrue, but it also, it also means that you kind of need an ambassador to lead you into the world. And I think that that's what, you know, like, I think that, you know, both, Wes Anderson, I almost did the thing where you say, call someone by their first name that you don't know. So I almost did the thing like, well, the first thing with Wes, buddy Wes yeah. and Guillermo, 
But the <laughs> the first thing with both of those guys yeah. is is that um, I think that they really do want they have something that they want. So they're not just it's not like the it's not like when you attach your name to something as like from the creators of blah 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 just to get it sold. Like I think that they are they're both want to be in stop motion. Um, and I, but I think also there's the, the level of like, they need, uh, if they were just to go to a stop motion studio and drop money, uh, it would be very hard for them to get the thing done. One, because you have to be there every day. And those guys, if you're, if you're a big enough name to carry a stop motion movie, you're probably you also, too busy to be. You got to keep working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't be dry. You can't be given two years of your life to be sitting there every day and going yeah. and being like, "This shot looks good." Mm, that's that seems that animation seems a little shitty. But the uh, the other side of it is, I think, just like the you know the the knowledge base of somebody like Mark who can kind of just like translate that thing. Like, yeah. I know what you want, and I'm gonna help you execute that. Um, but I think Mark too, because I, uh, this is me also talking out of my ass. Cause I don't, I don't, I mean, I know Mark tangentially, but I'm not, it's not like we're buddies, but if you, I've been exposed to him very little, like the flu exposed. Uh, no, to him. he, I mean, at one point <laughs> he came over to my, he came over to my house and we were, uh, we were working on an idea together. This is like six or seven years ago. But what, what I remember from Mark is his bedside manner, um, for me felt like animation. It didn't feel like Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I could see him fitting in with these like Titanic personalities like West or like, or, or Guillermo and him being, you know, have a a quiet bedside manner. He's going to tell you how things work, but he's not going to suck up the oxygen in the room where it's like two people competing for attention or like, like me and my way or yeah. Like Rob and I, (laughs) no, I know we both have big personalities and we still work together handsomely. Um, so going, but, but back then, Paul, you went back as a producer. You took all that knowledge base from producing for Blashfield mm-hmm. and at that time at the highest level of animated music videos. Right. And then you went in as a producer and you handled back the last Vinton's. three pictures at Vinton's right. where Mark was a director on one of them. Yep. And, um, uh, and Mark was a badass back then too. Yeah. I mean, he's always been really, really clever, really kind of brilliant, uh, smart, incredible sense of humor. Um, and you know, when he's been working on some, uh, uh, of the commercial projects, uh, he, like you said, sort of has this kind of uncanny ability to interpret from stop motion world to the clients, Mm -hmm. um, very much so with feature film directors. Mm So, uh, you know, and adding humor to it all and being able to tell a really great story and knowing the language of cinema and uh, just, um, you know, smart badass. That's really great and good for him because I know. Like Rob Shaw. Yeah. Just, Didn't just you? like me. Just, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you, when you were at Leica in development, uh, when you were developing Box Trolls, I won't, I won't jump too far ahead in this <clears throat> little, little yeah. moment, but uh, Mark was there uh, developing a, I don't think contractually I can say the name of the picture, but at that time he was developing a feature for himself to, to direct yeah. at Leica. Yeah. Um, and then and I think that hired, picture they got in, writers for that too. They did hire writers for that. Yeah. And I know that project got leapfrogged in terms of priorities. And then I was like, God damn it. Mark's such a great guy. I'm bummed to hear that this feature is not moving forward. Then I find out he's in very aggressive talks 
uh, you know, to to co-direct Bubbles, and then now I'm finding out, you know, he's working with right. Guillermo del Toro, and I'm like, the world, there's <clears throat> justice, man. Yeah. The Pinocchio project's been around for a really long time, and he was in, I think he was involved. Um, do, do you remember who brought that project to Leica? I'm looking at him. Yeah, I did, in uh-huh. 2008. And they said no? 11 years ago. Yeah, I got... Um, uh, I got Guillermo del Toro on the phone with Travis Knight and Claire Jennings. And this was right before uh, Guillermo, literally hours before Guillermo was flying to New Zealand to uh, write The Hobbit with Peter Jackson. Right, right, right. I was like, it made me feel very good. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, the picture did not move forward. But no. the irony is that that picture is now getting made, or they're in, in heavy pre-production now. It's getting made right here in Portland. Yeah. And cool. many of the folks um, who... Uh, many of the management at Leica in terms of department management uh, management is now on the Guillermo picture. That's they're, cool. They're yeah. actively staffing yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so so Mark is awesome. Yeah. You uh, produced those three pictures for CBS. And at that time in the early nineties, you guys had a deal with uh, icon. You guys had like a three picture feature deal with icon at Vinton studios you guys had multiple television deals. Like it was like the Hallocene days for Will Vinton yeah, in the early nineties. Yeah, there 90s. was Gary and Mike, and there was there was the Gary PJs. and Mike. There was the PJs. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. and God knows what else was in development. Right. So uh, I, I remember that one meeting. Me, I mean, you can. This is I don't remember. If this is a dream or not? But I remember one meeting. <laughs> you know, they would do those yearly meetings yeah. at Vinton where they would be like, "This is what you did, and you guys are great, and this is what's on the horizon." And they would like yeah. roll out like Kinda what like they've been big, working on. Uh, staff meeting. Yeah. One of the fucking things was Harry Potter. They were they no, were doing something with Harry. That. I know. I'm dead serious because I didn't know what I Harry no Potter was this. yet. I have no it was before this, the I'm movies. A lot older than you guys. So. But you guys. Wait, wait, wait. But when <clears> when the fuck we, did you two meet? Not till, not till not Bent, I think. Bent, really? Yeah. I mean, I really? knew but of you Rob's were, name. But you knew of Rob business. as being this like wonder kid who was on yeah. the PJs. Cool guy from. I wasn't uh, on the Philly. PJs. I mean, I'm sorry. I meant Gary and Mike. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this cool guy from Philly. I knew yeah. Philly guy. Yeah. Wait, was it Gary and Mike that you went to? Yeah, I was on Gary and Mike. Not the PJs. Not the Gary PJs. and Mike. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I think I left Vinton's right around when Probably. Gary and Mike um, kind of kicked in. Wait, so how many years were you there when you did those <clears throat> CBS pictures? And so I when imagine. When did you start on? Uh, 99, I think. Yeah, is when so I, moved I out. left in 2000. Okay. Uh, Jesus, you were there for a decade? For a decade. Where'd you go? I went to Flying Rhinoceros. To Flying oh, Rhinoceros. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was a wonderful internet startup trying to do um, stuff before their time. Which was, uh, you may recall, in like 2000, there was very little broadband internet. Yeah. And they wanted to bring um, animated uh, education to the masses. Via the internet? Via the internet. And didn't have the capability because the pipes weren't big enough. Right. right, right. I remember those conversations where people are like, dude, the cable companies, pretty soon your phone and your cable and your internet will all be the same. And I'm like, nobody can move at that speed. Right. That's bullshit. So they were way ahead of their time. And uh, when the internet bubble burst Mm -hmm. around 2003 or so, uh, I came back from my third tour of duty (laughs) at the uh, Vinton studio, uh, which now was... uh, it had been rebranded as Leica in, in 2003 yeah. is when I think Will um, sold out. And at, they announced Moon Girl. Uh, yeah. Ish, yeah. Right? Around 03. Yeah. So then I stayed on with Leica from 2003. I was with um, 
Were you producing commercials in Yeah, Oakley? doing commercials. With Lori uh, Hammock? With Lori and, um, and Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, and all those people. And Mark, too. Mark was Mark a rotating been director. Attached, yeah, yeah, has been attached to them for quite a while. Uh, and um, Who were your producers over there? Oh, wait, no, fuck, you were the producer. I was one of the producers. That's right. Who were, the produce- who were your contemporaries when you were producing in 03? Um, I'm trying to remember. Who's Lori was there. She was the Lori's executive the EP, producer. yeah. Um, Still EPing Rebecca to Bowen, this day. I think, was there. Mm-hmm. That uh, sounds right. Um, Wait, Rebecca? Yeah, Rebecca Bowen. Yeah. She's still there, I think. Yeah, I think so. Or and, she's at House, but yeah, how special. But I think it's... Yeah, it oh, my like God, I'm confusing it with Rebecca Vion. Well, like... A, yes. No, yeah, I'm like, whoa, wait, hang on. Yeah. She must have been Back 11. in those yeah, days, yeah, yeah. it was like an entertainment yeah. starting up and then like a house. Yeah, because right. in Will Vinton Studios, everyone mm. ate at the same table. But right. then when Leica came about, they split that table up, the, the right. commercial kids' table, right. and then the, the, the feature... One of the, things, one of the things that I heard about this was that that, that was like a conscious... That that was done consciously because of some of the things that old Vinton people had seen that had happened when they, when they did television content was that like PJs in particular, that the commercial side suffered from inattention when they would get these big jobs Oh, from resources and personnel. Yeah. And then, and then the, then the season would end and then they'd like be doing this mad hustle to build up the thing again. And then it would get ignored again. And that like the, the, like a separation was in part to make it so that there's always someone watching shop over the commercial site at the same time as they're building the motion that picture side. It turned like out, but it made explanation. Yeah, <laughs> but it did make sense, yeah. right? And also, because uh, I joined Leica in 06 when um, uh, everyone had high hopes, but nobody was really quite sure what the feature division was going to yeah, be. And it was like there was a lot of paranoia. But then I remember when we would have like the Friday margarita parties, the mood in the commercial division was very different than the mood in the feature division because it was such a well-oiled machine and it was compartmentalized. And I think Lori was, uh, also had like a really good bedside man. She was a good leader. Yeah. Like she definitely, yeah, she was a really good leader and that they were not, that division was not, Dealing with the challenges that we were d- dealing with in the feature yeah, division. Yeah, it was really two different things. It was completely Commercials different. Commercials yeah. and features. Are I was very a little envious beasts. too. I mean, I liked yeah. working on the feature, but I was a little envious just being like, well, the environment feels yeah. a little more yeah. fucking chill on this yeah. side, man. So after, I don't know, six years of being, uh, with commercials. Uh, in 2006, yeah. uh, Dale Wall, you may recall, the former was CEO, the CEO yeah. of, uh, uh, Leica. He was Phil's and, accountant. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, um, I asked him, I said, I, um, he was, they were starting up development, uh, for feature films. I said, I really like to get into this. And he gave me an opportunity to do that. He wanted to make some stuff happen. But just and, off the cuff, you guys are drinking yeah. fucking tequila shots. And he's like, Hey, by the way. Uh, we're gonna well, open up a tequila. Yeah. Shot. We're gonna open <laughs> up just, a. Uh, I just remember a very. Well, I know he's like 117 meeting. years old, so he probably was drinking chamomile tea or something. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but really, but but this was shared. This was disclosed yeah, so at the, some point. So the only person at like a development was Fiona, Kenshaw. and she was in London, and she was and her in only London. job was acquiring literary material from the publishing world, right? And yeah. mostly the children's publishing world, and the children's publishing world, right. which, by the way, um, Fiona was really fucking good at yes yeah, that great. decision early on to be like <clears throat> you need to hire fiona kenshaw to uh speculate and get a running start so she can get like galleys right. and manuscripts so long they, before the world right. even knows so these fucking adding, books, right? so they yeah. were adding personnel to so it only the, made sense to run once with those 
books were acquired, acquired. to then put flesh and bone on them and turn them exactly. into fucking Can I ask movies. a question? Yeah. Because yeah. this is something I'm completely ignorant of. But would one potential advantage of that be that she would already have a couple of kind of like – like could she have deals before the book really hit? So that absolutely. Yes. So that it's yeah. like if you if you picked the right ones, then when they when they hit and you're dealing with the next whatever Harry right. Potter book comes out, right. and all of a sudden people are going apeshit over it, you already have it. And you don't have exactly. to. Yeah. To put it else. in perspective, when she left London to move to Portland full time, Philip Pullman, who wrote His Dark Materials and Golden Compass, was at her fucking going away party. Nice. So in terms of her just socially sitting at the epicenter, she was also a publisher at the Oxford children's press or something which mm-hmm. i believe is you know is she and she's still working in in public children's publishing and stuff she, right right now she i believe is a liaison between um really great concept artists and um and hollywood i think she's Got like it. moving okay. into that realm like producer manager mm-hmm. type thing anyway yeah, so um i think was... she fucking hates me but i have nothing but really great things to say yeah and she I was do damn too. good at her fucking yeah, job yeah she was great sorry to and, slow you down. um and uh, Fiona was basically the only person in development. Right. And then uh, I joined her and we I was like number two person in development. And then from there, and this is your Ben Adams story, yeah. I hired Amanda Bennett and um, Ben no, Adams. No, you hired Amanda. Yeah. But you guys had worked together when Amanda was on the PJs. Uh, and you hired Ben department. from Bent at that point. I no, you stole. Yeah, was, so that's he was story. art directing on jobs that I animated right. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, was wait, Ben was art directing? He art, yeah. He art directed. He was yes. art directing that Paul Harris. I don't know if you could <laughs> honestly say I stole people when they want to get out. I know. I'm I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah. I heard from multiple sources that you anyway. stole them, and it left some. It was radioactive. Like it oh, left what? some radioactivity. I, I, I don't know, I didn't know about any radioactivity, yeah. but uh, Ben is a incredible illustrator. Yeah. Incredible uh, character designer. And he's incredible a sculptor. sculptor. Yes. And, um, yeah. A Photoshop whiz. Yep. Uh, and uh, um, it was like um, he he was perfect to be in that early development stage of of um, you know coming up with yeah, stuff, fleshing for, out, yeah, fleshing yeah, out yeah. stuff, putting the book yeah, because he's a time. he's not just a character designer, he's not just a production designer. <clears throat> He's not just a sculptor, so you can kind of throw anything at him, exactly. and it doesn't have to be perfect because no. it's early story, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, we started to develop a. Um, you know, development department uh, for Leica, which I think uh, they've dismantled in time, um, mainly because probably don't want to spend the money up front, that kind of money up front for... You mean uh, for acquisitions? For, well... I think they realized the power, and this goes back to like Rob Shaw too. I think Leica, after the develop... Because you and I, full disclosure, I was I worked in development with, with you, you as yeah. an executive. Um and during that like run, I think Leica had realized the value of of um, director centric development. Right. Is that you're not like fuck buying an idea. What you really need to do is buy people. You actually buy a director right. and then give them every fucking thing that they want. And at the end of at the end of whatever, at the end of nine months, they'll give birth to something that's ready to shoot. Right. Instead of when we were in development, it was mm. producer centric and it was lit centric, but 
without a director assigned to each project, right. it was challenging well. to yeah. so you would flesh reach something out, to, out. Yeah, so you'd reach out to all these great artists who you know we see all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the credits of. But you had Sasaki, yeah. you had Steph Choi, yeah, you had V. Do, yeah, um, you had Ian McNamara, right. Mike Cachuela, you had fucking Mike Cachuela, yeah. And oh uh, um, Jamie, really ba- great. Jamie Baker. That's right, Jamie Baker. Uh, yeah. um, Wait, what was the name of that sculptor that you guys hired from Sweden? Oh yeah, who fleshed out oh, Arthur yeah. from uh, Box Trolls? Yeah. Um, God, God, I can't remember his name, his name, but he's, he's great. Oh, he was amazing. There was there was so many great artists that we worked with to flesh so out this, many. all the stories that we had. Yeah, I wish and, I could. Na- I know contractually I can't name what these but it was what the stories are to, right now. I but mean, like, yeah, man, but you know, twenty twenty hindsight, it was a lot of money to do that. Um, yeah. And um, you know, as you said, well said that. Uh, it Thanks, needed, Paul. <laughs> that it needed to be you know director centric. Yeah. And um, you know, you can spend tons and tons of money on developing the look and stuff, but if it's not what the director has in mind, you've wasted a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unless you're just painting out the negative space where the director can come in and be like, well, that's definitely what I fucking don't want. Right. <laughs> that's about the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but there's always waste when you build, when you're building a company or you're building a, especially a studio, there's going to be waste. But potentially you're, like throwing you, spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. Wouldn't, couldn't the solution be don't, don't, break up your development department, but just start bringing, assigning directors to different development projects so that they can get developed more singularly, but before they get, before they turn into the money sucker that is an actual movie. I mean, yeah, but I think like it was at that time was still trying to figure itself out a little bit. You know, it was like they didn't have very many access to directors. They had, we had easy access to artists. They got my number. They could have just at any time, Paul. <laughs> I know, I would have right? come over right. there, but uh, and yeah. I would have spent all the money you, you threw know. at me. But they didn't know because at that time, like speaking of, so when I brought um, Pinocchio to Leica, you know that was a relationship with with Guillermo that took and Guillermo's people that took like six months to f- facilitate that relationship. But because, but the reason I fought so hard to to get that picture into Leica um, was because one of the mandates that was handed down by Travis specifically was we need to attract big talent to the studio. Yeah. And at that time, you know, Pan's Labyrinth was, you know, huge and Guillermo del Toro, it had mm-hmm. been announced that he was, you know, working on Lord of the Ring or uh, the Hobbit with Peter Jackson. So it was like, God damn, that yeah. satisfies the work order pretty well. Yeah. But then when push comes to shove and we actually, you know, got Guillermo to the table, it turned out that, um, uh, that it wasn't what like was looking for. And the, from a larger perspective, it just showed that Leica wasn't sure who they were yet. Yeah. Even though the company had been around for like seven years, at least as Leica. Yeah. That's still pretty short period of time in the history of things. You, when Dale looked in the eye and said, okay, uh, I want you to be the first hire in development. Um, uh, you were, how many, without saying what the pictures were, how many units or how many pictures were in incubation? Oh boy! Um, well, it was like really just dozen? books. It was that, that's books. what I mean. Yeah, it was probably a half a dozen. 
And then so, you, so at that time, if you're the I, first person, you end up lording over all well, six. Well, I read all the books yeah. and I was really attracted to Here Be Monsters, which became the Box Trolls. Yeah. And that's the one that caught your attention right away. That's out. the one that caught my attention right away. It just read. Because it was fucking 900 pages. It was 900 pages, whatever. <laughs> God, it's Alan so Snow, big. <laughs> Alan Snow had written it and it was yeah. wonderful. It was a wonderful story about a kid and, um, you know, with, with magical kind of qualities and, um, it just, read like stop motion off the page so i thought this is really great and uh, we should do this and who started fleshing out the designs was it ben did ben, ben give us yeah, the ben. world's first look at yeah. like the actual trolls that live in a fucking box yeah. and arthur so where are we in the history of time here so right now, we're in development right we're we like skipped a, there's five or six books that are uh picked up by fiona that are in yeah development and box trolls is the one box that, caught, your that fancy. Caught, my, caught my fancy um but when i joined when i when i joined like a not when i joined like after Coraline, when i joined development um you were literally in the middle of shooting a box trolls animation test yes so somebody built sets somebody built fucking characters yeah, I was and kind lit of direct, it and kind of directing it yeah. that was my question because at that time um no directors were involved Right. As a matter of fact, no directors were assigned to anything in development. No, no. And then, you know, who did my... who was the animator? Who was oh, the Jesus? Animator? Who did that? Well, we were kind of still with um uh like we... a house was Oh, that's we, right. The we stages were, were at house. The that's stages right. were at house. So yeah. we were, yeah. you know, we were in the Conway building. We were in Conway, but you were shooting in Pettigrew. Which is there. Yeah. yeah, and we were shooting in Pettigrew. So could it have been like oh. Chris, so, maybe? Was it a, probably a house animator? It could have been... Um, Chris Olgren? Chris Olgren, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And Amanda Bennett was your production manager or slash coordinator, right? She was kind yeah. of overseeing... She was kind of managing the yeah. the logistics of that shoot. Yeah, but she's a brilliant um, she's writer. A brilliant, she's a brilliant everything. Brilliant person. Yes. She's um, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think about Amanda often. Uh, do you know Amanda? I don't. She's salt of the earth. I keep saying that. Salt of the earth. She is fucking salt of the earth, man. God. So many good people in this industry. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I wish I were one of them. Um, anyway, okay. So, so. so you started lording over. So you started fleshing out the book. You read the book and a screenplay didn't exist yet. Irina Brognell. Had, uh, did the first screenplay. She wrote the Irene. first iteration. Yeah, Irene, yeah. What was the name From of the book? Monk. Irene. Uh, it was called Irene. It was called uh, Here Be Monsters. Here Be Monsters? Yeah. Okay. And it was so thick you could make nine films out of it. Is it is it uh, one in a series or is it just one book? One book. Okay. No, it's a, the second book's out now. Yeah. Yeah, but not oh, at the is time. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the is time, it, like it was a... only one book. Okay. Yeah, now it's two books. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were developing stuff, fleshing out, doing animation tests, hiring every, uh, artist you can imagine. Yeah. Um, really great hit list. Great and then, then you started, list. you started getting other development producers. This is the first time in my life I'd ever heard the term development producer, but you guys started hiring your own peers. Right. Like you started duplicating the Paul Deaners in that department. You had Catherine Hall. Right. From Australia. She had done, uh, some work at, uh, for Ardman. Yep, and she was a good friend of Fiona's. And she—that's right, because they rubbed shoulders in the in the in, book world in, together. Yeah, in, in and they knew each other yeah. from the Bologna Book Fair, I believe. Yeah. So your so that department started to grow and blossom, and this and was two thousand. That, that wonderful floor where you were, where we were. We uh, had the entire floor, floor of the, which was the second full of floor. Story rooms yeah. and uh, where was this at? 
the there's a new season there floor. now. Yeah, there's a new season there now. But um, it was like yeah, a, it was the Conway Building, which uh, was rented out to uh, Leica. Okay, just imagine like a three-story corporate building, but for us, we were on lockdown, so no one was allowed in our department. And by department, we really mean the entire second floor. Which was Everything really weird was because we down. had these uh, company meetings where we talked about our entire development slate. It was weird. I think it was Which maybe was, partly theater too, yeah. like locking Everybody people out psychologically. Like excited. Yeah. But if you imagine that um, the living room that we're in right now, uh-huh. imagine double this size. Every movie that we had, had in development its had its own room. So all the surfaces were covered With, in some okay. form of yeah, concept. Yeah, yeah. Hanging racks for yeah. storyboards, right. for art development, for... And even whatever. random stuff. Because remember, I was doing mood boards that had mood like boards. fur. I like drove out and like bought some fur because there was a... Wow. There was a Yeti picture in development. Um, <laughs> well, so, so like back when I was at Pettigrove, and this is in like 2000 or something, mm-hmm. there was the Pettigrove building. Yep. And then across the street, there was a building, I think they just called the Annex building or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. And it was, it was neither of those. It was, built. it was another block away. It was on Quimby and 21st. And that makes sense. Okay. Right. Quimby and no, 22nd. Quimby was the backside of Pettigrove. So we were. What's one our? Raleigh? Raleigh? Yeah. Raleigh. So we were Raleigh and 21st. Raleigh and Savior. Yeah. Savior and 21st. Oh, Basically, God. whatever the old McMinimum. You guys was. had good lunch spots then, right there. We did. We did. And great. Coffee, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was Perfect. great. So, also one of the other things was to find a director for Here Be Monsters. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, I got a hold of Tony Stocky, who uh, came up to direct. Yeah. And he, because Tony was and coming fresh off here. the heels of, uh, he was at Sony, right. where he had worked on Hotel in Development, worked on Hotel Transylvania One. Uh, but he had just finished that um, Martin Lawrence, Ashton Kutcher picture where he was one of four directors. Open season? Open, Open season. season. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the first should, one? And, uh, yep. Okay. We should also yeah. uh, mention that Mike Cottrell was good friends with Tony from back in the day of uh, they had worked together quite a bit. <clears throat> That's right. Because they were developing. God, I can't remember the name so of the picture. Mike helped but me they were developing get, pictures with Henry with Selleck. Tony. Yeah. Ah, oh, so that so it was Catrella and then Tony. At the heart of everything. I know. You know that we got to get Mike on this. Who's this guy? Gotta Mike Catrella. <laughs> he's real. I mean, he's mostly known for storyboarding out some of the most uh, interesting scenes at uh, Pixar. So, okay. like the, uh, the the Incredibles, um, Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think he was a, he was also a story artist on um, uh, Nightmare. But he's a he's been a stalwart in the but, kind uh, of the Henry Selleck circles. Okay, so he's, he's a, a brilliant artist and storyboard. Yeah. Story but but he's not he's not any of these like co-direction teams. Yeah, done. dude, he was the co-director of motherfucking Coraline for the first month. Oh, okay. for the first month into production. Got it. But he helped. I think he really helped Henry out in pre-production because Henry was able to duplicate himself to a certain you know to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. Yeah. But once we actually got into production. Uh, Henry's a fucking auteur. You yeah, know? There's yeah, no yeah. fucking way once the engine starts running right. that you can duplicate his brain hole. So well, and also like a, so, Mike uh, went uh, ended up joining us in development. Right. I think when yeah. when co-direction teams work, it's when there's a kind of like a complementary yin yang situation of talents where like 
two people kind of know that one of these people is like the this person and the other yeah. person is the this person. Like this is and like then the character like, guy and this one's like the big picture. Yeah, guy it doesn't it doesn't work yeah. as well when there's like two people that have to answer the question. <clears throat> I gotta go ask I gotta go check again because I got I got Joe, but I didn't get Mike. I don't know, we've gotta find out what Mike thinks. That's yeah, that's yeah. when I think it gets starts getting sloppy. But I mean but yeah, I mean so, Henry's very particular, so, so I could I was surprised that Mike was co directing as long as he did yeah. because it's a a, a, to stay on that horse or that bucking bronco for that long, I think it's yeah. <laughs> bucking bronco is a good. So yeah. um, development then started picking up directors, as you That's recall, right. and yeah. Jan Pikova came on board. Oh, bless that man! Yeah, yeah, Jan came on board. Uh, you had Mike Johnson for a while. We had Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cachuela uh, was directing too. He was Cachuela developing. Cachuela was developing. Yep. Tony was directing. And it got Phil Dale for and a while. Phil Dale, God, brilliant, brilliant that animator. Man. So if yeah. you think of if there's how many if how many projects are in development. At, at when you guys say are doing like this. Six, say six. six in six, active seven. development. Yeah. But yeah. then there was like shit on the back burner that was still books that hadn't yeah, been opened things. yet. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I mean like where you've got – where you're talking about bringing in directors and producers to, to like three really things. red hot. Three or four like really, really a lot of activity, right? Yeah. And then what's the percentage of that that goes to actually being a movie? After Coraline, it was zero. <laughs> <laughs> because well, Paranorman went directly I, into production outside of the I development keep, department. Uh, Here Be Monsters, uh, a.k.a. Box Trolls, um, alive for six years because it was only the capability of shooting one thing at a time. Yeah. So Paranorman got the green light ahead of us. But, but the script was further along. The script was further along, yeah. and um, and they had the benefit of not adapting a fucking book, which like right. was challenging. And it Paranormal was, more, was just a single. And you know, you remember, development was like kind of we were at Conway, we weren't yep. out in in Hillsboro yet, nope. and yeah. we were kind of an adjunct to. We were like Asian. a tumor growing, <laughs> growing on a giant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also Chris Butler was there. Uh, had worked on Coraline, was part of, the and he had whole, earned Henry's trust as head of trust story. And respect, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Paranorman got the green light, and um, you know we were queued up to be next. But that was I don't know how many more years. So anyway, long story short, I kept uh, Here Be Monsters. Box yeah, Trolls for alive six for six years, years from through so many writing iterations. Two thousand and twelve, when I left, like a, yeah, it was oh six to oh twelve because the I mean, fuck, there were That's characters coming and going, and right. it was a great education to work with Paul on Box Trolls because um, to to say that terms like okay, well, this isn't working. And then it's like defining, well, what is this? Is it from a character right. point of view? Are there too many characters? Oh, fuck. Should the grandpa die? Should the grandpa even be in it? Right. Well, fuck. Maybe this is about the, the mom. Heads Should the cabbage it? heads be in it? Right. It was right. so crazy to see all of that and to see um, your bedside manner was really impressive because I think a lot of – like it was so young at the time, um, development is a really scary thing because when you look at stuff – oftentimes it looks like dog shit because it's so early. It's not right. refined. It's by the very definition, you are developing something. And early on in the stages, those, those developments, they don't always look pretty and they sure as fuck don't look that refined. So I think you had a really tough job in selling, in selling the fact and <laughs> selling how you were making progress yeah. to the corporate management to them, all they saw was unfinished stuff. Or but like, even still, you know, we had you rem- remember uh, Phil Knight and his 
Phil's right here. I know, Phil. For those of you who can't see, there is a claymation bust of Phil Knight sitting on my table that was uh, made by Scott Foster. You kind of have to tilt back to have it actually look at you. Like, it's yeah. meant to look down on you. It's <laughs> looking down on you. You need to take There's pictures no eye and post that. Yeah. yeah, if we had a website, I would. You know what? I'm going right. to. That's maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't want the podcast to get shut down right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a couple right, months. Right, right. So uh, every quarter, we would present to Phil Knight and yep. his team. I remember. And the board, uh, they would come around. And the board around, would yeah. come around, and we would present to them. So yep. each quarter was a challenge to prove present something that was kind of lively and uh inspiring and different to, from what and they different just from saw. what they just seen yeah. and doing that for 6 years was yeah. was a challenge so that's what I was just about to ask was yeah. what this and that, Phil never not liked it he right. always thought it was something that was clever sure. and loved the box trolls uh-huh. in it which is who knows why it finally became the box trolls yeah because i had already left but um you know, he saw something in that that uh, um, he thought was kind of genius. Right. Because he and Travis, early on when it was finally rebranded, it was like a, he and Travis uh, went down to L.A. and attended uh, Bob McKee's screenwriting course. Oh, the three day intensive um, as a way to kind of like understand, oh, fuck, well, if we're going to own a studio, we need to be able to 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 identify and speak the language of what story development is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we went through the script, went through so many revisions. And by the sixth year, fifth year or so, um, I remember there was a script uh, November of 2011 that I actually loved. But it was still complicated. And then the script got blown up again in January of 2012. And I was kind of done at that point. So, you know, it's interesting. The um, I watched you and Tony slave over um, over different iterations of of box trolls or here be monsters at the time. Um, But one very defining moment in my life as a producer is when I saw Phil Dale come on board. Um, for those of you guys who don't know Phil Dale, uh, he's a master animator. Like quite literally, he's a master master animator. Um, but one of the pictures had just finished. I think maybe Paranorman had just finished, and Phil became available, and he was interested in coming on board and co-directing um, Here Be Monsters. And he passed your test as a producer, and he passed Tony's test as a creative, and we were we were all like struggling with getting how to make this material more clear and more interesting. And Phil came on board and I was like, it was the first time uh, in a long time that this very specific point of view, like I saw a director come in and start making commitments one after the other, after the other. And it wasn't about, are these ideas good or bad? It was the aggregate of all of those commitments made together. And I was like, God damn, that's the fucking key is you, you get a director in and you trust them. Um, you don't always have to understand what decisions one, two, three, if they fucking make sense to you. But by the time you get to decision 74, you can begin to really see inside the head of like where Phil was trying to take the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just really, really impressed with that. And I think from yeah. that day is when I realized like, as big and gregarious as my ego and personality is as a producer at the end of the day, this is a director's game and you, the best producing you can ever do is um, hire the right director and then get the fuck out of their way. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was going to ask where, like, 
so the everything that I've ever worked on or worked in has a really clear finish line deadline. Like you, you know what you're doing day to day because there's something <clears throat> that has to be done at a certain time. Right. And development seems like this crazy <laughs> thing where like it's cooking until what? Until some someone deems that it's done cooking, yeah. or is there is there like a okay, guys, in April I need this Weeby Monsters to be. <laughs> Hear me yeah, monsters. no, no. Weeby Monsters is a sequel. Weeby, yeah. Weeby Monsters. That's, that's a, my version. That, that's pretty good. I like uh, that. yeah. that's, uh, a, that's a TV show. But like, yeah, it's true. It's, I think it. Weeb, I think there is weeb, Weebies, Weebles, yeah, Weebles Monsters, Weebel, 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 yeah, Weebel, yeah. Weebel, yeah. Weebel, um, Weebel, Bears. Yeah. No, but like, what? What's the? What but is, you'd had mandates. You guys were told by production when to have a picture ready. Yeah. Right? But they were. But what does ready mean? Because someone, like, again, like, there's always someone that says, like, this is. Right, Coraline like, shot without the third act being written. That's crazy. It's yeah, true. It's, it's literally true. But I would um, have had a heart attack. That, I mean, we, it was a, Travis is in charge of the studio, so he says yay or nay. So you're so you're set, so it's basically like we got to get Travis to sign off on this picture by this thing as the next movie. Yeah. Okay. And we're in competition with a couple other films that are kind of bubbling up. Whether right. it's something, that are also in various yeah, stages, yeah. Whether it's going to be Pinocchio because it has Guillermo attached to it, or, and, it had, and it was a finished script, or it's uh, a Yeti film or whatever. Yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, they're all out there, and uh, and there but was, there's never like a sense of like, what should we do today? I don't know. Let's uh, let's make the cheese guy. <clears throat> let's do a cheese guy walk test. No, because or we all we had was territories always, yeah. that. That they didn't always overlap, but we all wanted our own pictures to be the next one to move yeah, forward. So we were always. like, we were also competing for resources internally. You and I never did because you were a really awesome person. But I remember I was competing against other producers for resources in development because I was like, yeah. fuck, this stuff I want to work. Well, I think one of the, I, I think also one of the things that from one of the things that I, when you were talking about Paul's bedside manner, one of the things that I've, Paul's a very, uh, fair and calm personality yeah, quite. and i think like it it projects and so i think the closer you are in paul's circle the more you feel like eh, this is going to be fine let's yeah. just sit down paul let's will just talk about you. it but paul was the <laughs> only one in that department no because the natural that, at the time when i was in development was, the natural high pressure man. the natural state of all this <clears throat> creative stuff is Fuck! Like right. that's the natural. That was the natural state of our department. To be honest, was like everywhere I've ever worked in every capacity. Yeah. That is the the natural state is like molecules that are bouncing around, mm-hmm. and you find that there's little beacons along the way that are that are gravitational pulls that are like, hey, let's just take a breath, you know, and that's what makes this thing work. And that but, was Paul Diener the entire time. Yeah, your, I appreciate hearing that. Thank absolutely, you. <laughs> but I feel the same way when we all work together at Bent. And for people who don't know, Bent Image Lab is um one of the studios here in portland they they do a really high frequency of work um that uh bent image lab is like the wild wild west it's it's like a mom and pop shop but the work frequency is high enough that it that they do really professional work in a fucking lot of it but it is crazy far crazier than anything i encountered at leica and i feel like you did the same thing there as head of production paul and especially as head of production you had a lot of authority to chill everybody the fuck out and you brought a huge amount of continuity and structure to that studio both emotionally and like actually like you know like physical pipeline infrastructure and organization but well there's also a sense of like you know everybody everyone creative people are always trying to reinvent the wheel 
creative people are always thinking like, well, you did it that way, but that's why it's fucked up. We're going to do it my way. Yeah. And I think that another thing that you bring is, is kind of like, uh, a a, perspective. An, an industry perspective of right. like, no, that's not how things are done. Like, I understand that that's what you want to do right now, but you don't understand how that's going to create a domino effect and down the road, it's going to fuck all of us. Right. So we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it the way that think, you know, we're not going to start shooting before we have storyboards. We're going to do the storyboards right. and get them approved. And then we're going to start shooting. Like there's an order to it. And, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, that, that is, uh, um, you know, I think when you combine that with an element of leadership, that I think that that is a, that's like a thing that you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could have that need for order, but you could just be some guy who's twiddling his thumbs over in the corner, or you could be a leader and you could be full of chaos. And I think it's the, that, that cross section is, yeah. is, is kind of yeah, where I, you are. I will, I'll back Rob up on this is that. I often, and I'm not saying this just because you're seated at my dining room table. Oh, we got a whole nother story once you leave, Paul. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, is you, uh, very, very often in my producing career, um, do I recall, um, moments where you've modeled good behavior when you were a hundred percent entitled to bad behavior based on variables that were happening at the time. <laughs> yeah. And I swear to, Ganesh and Allah, or whatever, to ever, all the guys, Whoever. is there. that um, you've left a really big mark on me as uh, uh, as a producer, and that I um, I don't always practice it, but um, there are moments where I like do one of those Jesus moments where it's like, well, what would Paul do? Yeah, you <laughs> check your wristband. Just, True story, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What would, like, what, would, what would Paul do? Yeah. yeah, it's just about learning how to take a breath. That's all. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Because I've my whole career is just filled with amazing and that's how, mistakes. And also, that's how I know shit is fucked up. Is when Paul's riled, I'm just like shit is. Fucking I, it's, fucked ra- up. it's so rare, but I've been there. Yeah. I've been there for one moment yeah. where, where Paul was ready to like. It's usually personality based. I've only I think I've only seen it one time, and it was a specific personality, and and it's not I, the only. It maybe was, we're talking this, about the same incident. This, this person I've, I've seen at other people, people, right? I've yeah. screamed at someone in yeah. particular, yeah. and I have thrown a phone across the room. Yeah. Oh, more than fantastic. I, yeah. Oh, I didn't think you were capable of that. I Paul. totally did. I take back everything I just said. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think uh, I have more questions for you, and this will be, um, especially now that you live a few blocks away, um, this is going to be part one of a multi part series with Paul Diener. That's how fucking prolific this man is. Uh, anyone who, uh, uh, who even says they're interested in stop motion needs to know who Paul Diener is, what he's done in his career, and, uh, He's too big for one podcast. And can I, can I preemptive, like put down some stuff down the table that I want to talk about the next time that Paul's here? Yeah, is I want get to, to think about it. That's great. Like yeah. building the CG pipeline in Portland for oh, the we first. Right over that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, yeah. I didn't really build the pipeline. Oh, yeah, but being modest. I what can, I want to do. give you more names. I want to go back through these sections that we've covered yeah. in, in, in this one and talk a little bit about the day to day. Like one thing I want to get into is like, I think a lot of people, and I think I've said this a bunch of times before is like, but I keep dodging the question. No, no, well, yeah. I think that. Uh, you know, producer producing animation is is a very strange thing, and it's not something that people in animation think about that often. And right. I would love to put some shine some light on that on like what that can mean. And I think you've worked in 
so many different levels of producer in animation. Right. You've done line producer all the way to development executive. So I think, right. uh, and all the stuff in between, I think I would love to talk about what those kind of day to days were. I think that would be super interesting for me, even if nobody else gives. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. For the three listeners in Iraq, yeah. which is fucking cool. And by the way, or the six listeners in Wait, Afghanistan, you know somebody in Iraq, you had no, it's Iran. Oh, Iran. No, okay. I still have that. I'm still trying to do a film, but he's not with- listening to this. I don't know if he is or not. Wait, uh, I'll just throw his name out. His name is Mushtaba, and he's an amazing uh, uh, stop motion uh, guy in in Iran. And I'm trying to do a picture with him. And when the sanctions were lifted a few years ago, I was going to fly to uh, to Mashhad, which is a town he's in, and talk about putting a picture together. And now the you got Trump. Sanctions got all nuts. You got Trump. And now I think it might even be illegal for me to fucking work with him. Yeah, for I sure. think it's illegal. Like literally, I think I can't fucking yeah, work with this guy. Yeah, we should have a phone here. He should like be calling in right now. We yeah, try yeah, to Skype, yeah. but after about four minutes, the Skype, the quality gets reduced as if the bandwidth is being sucked up by yeah. a government agent. Yeah, I'm all paranoid. Wow. Anyway, whatever. He's a great filmmaker, but politics are preventing me from doing a picture with him. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, you'll allow those questions. The answer is next yes. Time. I would also <laughs> like okay. love to hear about yeah, all. Well, of that. I'd love to come back. You're only. What five blocks away? Yeah, bring yeah. your dog next time. Yeah, bring your dog. The pig's outside. No, I no, let, you see pigs, the pig? no, the pig's inside. Pig's no. inside. Do you want to see her? She's in here, right? There. I do want to see her. Come but here, she, She's gigantic. My pup will be crushed by her. Is she still? Uh, we'll bring her in. Gonna, we're gonna she's still feral. Up. This pig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, uncomfortable with. Wild animals room. that can really just have their way with me. In the same room as a, you're uncomfortable with pigs. pigs I'm uncomfortable with anything that just seems like uh, it could it could just like that. That pigs, she, she gets angry. She can eat my hand, and there's nothing I can do about it. So you got a little. My, than I mean, I guess pull my hand away. But my pup is only 14 weeks old, and it's eating my hand. Yeah, you know. So I'm more worried about her than the pig. It's pig, so much like wait, having another eats. person here. When people say the, when people say that pigs are like the close pig to, eats uh, hey, Fruit Loops. Hey, great! What is that? I like you have some cereal. Hey, cereal. Hmm. I need to figure out how to make money off of her. Come here, great. Don't. There's oh. nothing over here, buddy. Come here, fatty. Well, Paul, if you ever want a pig sit, you know where I live. Bye, great. Here you go, sweetie. Um, all right, come here. You're going outside. This is things just fall apart towards the end of the That's nice of the interview. Are we still recording? Are we on? We're always on. We're forever on. Good times. Paul, thank you so much for uh for letting us torture you and Yeah, it's been a go pleasure. down memory lane and put my mouth back on this microphone like Mick Relatively Jagger. Relatively painless, right? Totally. That painless. was all that was my fun. That's fun. always Although, my reaction to this. It's like it's not a, I get worried that I forget names or I'm not remembering something. No, but, I feel you know, like you're more on point than I am. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah, both both yeah. of you were dropping names like <laughs> like flies over there. It was very But you but it's still I I think that until until we started doing this podcast I think I took for granted all these relationships. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like these, this is like really fucking cool, and there's a lot of history. But yeah. you know what I like the Portland. most about it? Like this the, podcast? Pi- the pig. Uh, well, besides the pig, uh, is, is Dustin our amazing? Producer? You guys starting the podcast makes you the authority 
of oh, yeah. stop motion. I know it's very yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird. I yeah, like I it. saw that fills uh, my ego pretty Junior well. Junior posted like did a post on Facebook that was like, and I think he's down in L.A. working at at Starburns, or at least he was not that long. Oh, ago. James Wilder uh, yeah. Hancock. Yeah, and yeah. he said uh, he said um, you know if you're curious about you know, the history of animation in Portland is a great podcast. And I was like, that's really cool. That was yeah, really cool. Like yeah. But then like an hour later, uh, Peggy Serena, uh, yeah. animator, uh, posted something very similar, like very endearing. And I yeah. was like, Another so there's, there's more than six people in Afghanistan listening to this yeah. thing. Yeah. Which is great, but it's all good times. Um, I, I think that all of this is worth being celebrated, uh, having Paul Herod on and talking about Isle yeah, of Dogs yeah, sure. a while back, Javen Ivy, uh, that episode drops tomorrow. Um, and then at the core of all this is like Rob Shaw is like, is literally one of the best directors I've ever worked with across <clears throat> the board. I have never fucking seen somebody make something out of nothing over and over and over again. Cause the oxygen is so fucking thin What's going to happen when I have something? So I know, exciting. right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and we have, you know, and Rob and I, we've got pictures in incubation. We're, you know, we're in L.A. every month pitching. Um, by the way, thanks for that call, Apple, last week. Very exciting. Um, uh, so it's always cool. It's awesome fanning out and uh, speaking to our friends and getting to know them. And it's also cool um, uh, having Rob as my partner. For sure. Not to be confused with the beautiful girl maria down in la who's my other oh, partner okay. all right that's a different that's, that's a podcast. different partner <laughs> hi maria i miss that's you that's that one that you were talking about earlier. i'm drinking out of your mug right now <laughs> all right cool thanks paul <laughs>